Wasn't the Dodge Diora part oh, of the yeah. original? Oh, that, that was a 68. Yeah. Yes, okay. that was a Harry Bradley car. Yeah. And, uh, and didn't that have surfboards in the back, too? Yes, it did. Okay. okay. Same surfboards. Wow, Randy, you're pretty good at that. Um, he scarily, still plays for toys. Scarily. <laughs> I have like 10 times more Matchbox cars. Today, Mattel owns Matchbox as well. Randy and I both grew up with Matchbox first. Right. Oh, yeah. And yeah, then right. uh, the Hot Wheels came out later, and the difference was the Matchbox were European. That's right, they were. And, yeah. and may I say, Matchbox, now Hot Wheels is already in the the uh, Toy Hall of Fame. Right. Yes. Uh, but Matchbox is not. Is Mattel mm -hmm. going to kind of get something going to get Matchbox in the Hall of Fame along with Hot Wheels. Come on, who's with me? Let's yeah. get Matchbox in the Hall of Fame. Hey everybody, welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars, where it's all about everybody has a car story, from celebrities to car personalities and more. I'm Randy Cardoon. This week on the show, Hot Rod Bob Beck and I continued our frenzied interviews at our booth at the Classic Auto Show in the Orange County Fairgrounds in Costa Mesa. Now later, we'll talk with Bill Montgomery about the state of California's auto shops in high school and how the slashed budgets are basically closing them down, and what's that going to mean for us in about 10 or 20 years when there's no one left to fix our cars after they break down? Also, we'll talk with Bob Rosas about his work designing Hot Wheels. Then Tanya Ingalls and Fiat Chrysler's Kelly Faley join us to talk about how they're also helping kids who want to learn how to work on cars. But first, it's Talking About Cars News! <laughs> You know what's fun about watching TV and all those car shows lately? It's like following the hot stove league in baseball. Now everybody's working on somebody else's team. The latest? How about Rachel DeBarros, formerly of All Girls Garage, shows up with Richard Rawlings in a picture on Twitter at Gas Monkey Garage. He hints she might work with him. She hints she's there for the beer. Stay tuned. Now, April was a big month for the Mustang. Ford's Jim Owens joined me to talk about the latest machination of the Mustang on its 55th anniversary. Can you believe that? Yep, the four-cylinder turbo is making a comeback, which makes me think of my 86 Thunderbird turbo coupe, but that's for later. First, we talk about a previous Talking About Cars guest with Jim, Shelby's Alan Graham. Oh, that's so cool. It's so funny. I'm literally looking at a picture of Alan's number 96 Cobra, where he autographed it for me um, with a picture of young Alan, like when he knocked on Carol's door asking for a job, oh, literally really? <laughs> right in front of me. Oh, know? wow. That's pretty wild. That that The whole thing when they get together and tell the story is just hysterical, especially Peter talking his way into the art center of design in, in Pasadena. In Pasadena, yeah. And Alan knocking on the door and telling Carol that you know he could be his race car driver and ended up being a transmission or a body, I think a body fabricator is what he started with uh -huh. what alan ended up starting before he actually you know went out there and was a world champion of the cobras unbelievable that's, so that's now, unbelievable. he's such good people he really is and you know for the ford gt that i was doing before i came back to mustang um you know he has the original one of the two original workhorses of the Ford GT program that started, you know, back in the 60s, the Lola chassis that he has redone completely, and he lets me take it on displays for events. It is 
unbelievable piece of history. And what, you can talk to him about it at some point. In time. Absolutely. Well, what was the what was the car? I the one with the actual Lola on there with the Cortina taillights. Yeah, yeah that was it. Was at and if you were up in Monterey, it was, we had it on display at the at the Ford GT garage just inside of uh, Laguna there. Yeah, he came down to uh, a car show down in uh, Palm Desert. He always does a charity show, and uh, he brings it with him every year. And it's just, it's amazing to look at. It's And, and the history behind it is, you know, and, and you should ask him about the book he has, too, on it. Somebody, oh, yeah. Somebody approached him, and he has the original book with all, all of the speed and test results for each of the cars, what they did from an engineering perspective to make it better. I mean, if you love this stuff, I mean, which I kind of do, it is it is super geeky and cool. Absolutely. So the Mustang is 55 years old this year. That's unbelievable, number one. And now, with all the different machinations of the Mustang, you're now appealing to those who maybe don't have as much money but still would like the experience. Yeah, and it's and it's not so much. Well, first, we're so happy to be celebrating. You know, April 17th, 1964. You know, New York State Fair. You know, basically, Lee. Iacocca, the Ford family, and the Fairlane Committee, you know, basically changed the performance car world by unveiling that car. And 55 years later, on National Mustang Day, not something Ford went to the government to get recognized, but that our owners and clubs went to their congresspeople to say, we need to recognize April 17th as National Mustang Day. And we have the new high-performance package Mustang on the EcoBoost four-cylinder, and we couldn't be more proud. There's a couple of really cool things about it, but if you think about it, um, now, you know, Randy, I don't know if you're old enough, but I remember fondly the old SVO Mustang, right, which was 190 horsepower, four-cylinder turbo. Absolutely. Lightweight, you know, the Mercure XR4Ti, the old turbo coupe engine. You know, motor I, I had, car of the year. I had a Thunderbird turbo coupe. Yeah, I did too. So mm-hmm. that that power plant, you know, saw, thought you know back in the '80s that the four cylinder could be you know have performance associated with it. Well, we knew, like if you think about it, the Gen Five Mustang that we launched back in '05, our eight cylinder had 300 horsepower. Right now, our EcoBoost high performance package out of a four-cylinder with a turbo has 330 horsepower and 350 foot-pounds of torque. And the cool thing is is that its peak power curve, you know, 90% of that torque is available from about 3,000 RPMs all the way to the red line. And for a younger demographic who is out there doing, you know, Ken Block and Vaughn Gittin Jr. Gymkhana stuff or autocrossing, you want to be able to keep that peak power at that high RPM so that you could get around the course. And this is a car that can do that. So it's not just a value, a performance value story. It is about trying to lay out performance for the younger generation who displays it a little bit differently than you and I do. And and to get them really into the fold, because obviously this is going to be a car that appeals to them in many ways. And once they get into that car and situations get better for them, they start looking at the uh, beefier, I guess, uh, engine possibilities for Mustangs. you're, you're absolutely right, but it's also like a life stage vehicle, right? Um, I had my 97 uh, green convertible with the tan roof that I took my daughter home when she was born, had to drop the convertible top at Worcester Memorial Hospital <laughs> in Massachusetts, put the car seat in, then put the top back up. Um, but, you know, as your life stages change, 
like now that same daughter is graduating from the University of Michigan. She's moving out to your neck of the woods, a little north, out to Palo Alto. She's going to be working for Google. Right. But, you know, 21 years later, now I'm back into, now I kept my Mustangs, but I'm back into, you know, my next vehicle I'm ordering is my Mustang, and it's changing because of change in life stage. Wow. How many how many Mustangs do you have in your personal garage? Right now, I have only two. I have three daughters in college, ah, so okay. I had to, um, <laughs> like I say, it's a life stage deal. <laughs> I kept the one, uh, I have a one of one 2007 Shelby GT500 KR, so when I was working for Carroll, um, when we were building in the test cars, um, we used mine to build it, which was, that's the one I'll probably, man, I'll, I'll give away at, you know, at the absolute last possible moment, maybe three weddings, right? Three daughters, yeah, weddings, maybe I'll exactly. get rid of it there. Um, but anyway, so my, my point for bringing it up is the life stage. So if they're not in there when they're in their younger generation, you know, they're not going to be when they turn into their 50s and are empty nesters again. You know, we want them to hearken back to that time. And we think this high performance package, which is an extreme value, and a really cool story from a performance standpoint will help them remember Mustang fondly. So after we celebrate our 75th Mustang birthday, you know, when they change their lifestyle, they'll come back and grab the Mustang too. How did this Mustang come about? That's the fun story. So, I mean, you know me, I'm pretty much enthusiastic and I love this stuff, right? I couldn't tell. The engineering men and women of Ford love this stuff too. And I like to say they're geeks like me, right? Absolutely. They're enthusiasts that just want to play around. And so they're out at the proving grounds doing their testing and developing. And they talk about how they want to do the high performance version of the four cylinder. And lo and behold, a Focus RS test mule, which is, you know, all wheel drive, torque vectored, 350 horsepower, 350 foot pounds of torque. They're like, what if we take that motor and they did it on their own time? took the motor out of the test mule, turned it 90 degrees, configured it to make a rear-wheel drive, and were just banging it around themselves. And then when our chief engineer, Carl Widman, sat down with them and saw what they were doing, that began that program. And it is a unique engine. So it's not just the EcoBoost engine that you get when you order your initial Mustang. It is the actual Focus RS engine, changed a little bit so there can be a rear drive line, a little bit heavier components, a uh, little bit different mating material between the cylinder heads and the exhaust manifold, but that's that engine, and that's how it started. It was Mustang enthusiasts working on their own to come up with something that they enjoyed, and lo and behold, you know, 16 months later, we're unveiling it at the New York International Auto Show. That's great. When, when is the car going to be available that people could actually buy it? So it'll be a 2020 model year, and we hope to have it in dealers in the you know beginning of the fourth quarter. Wow. Third to fourth, end, end of third, beginning of fourth quarter. I, I like the idea that it actually came from them messing around. Can, what else are they messing around with that they're in your uh, <laughs> that we can well, look you know forward to? Well, you know, I can't to. talk about future products. Of there, course Randy, not. But, but but you know, there are ex- other examples of it. If you think of like the Boss 302, that that quad exhaust that we did, mm-hmm. that was done in people's garages over the weekends. Like they'd work on it in the weekend and they'd bring it back to Parasac and say, "Look what we found." <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that's how it was born and so there's a lot of us who work on mustang who really enjoy the culture that this car has created 
because it's more than just the car, Randy. It's the lifestyle and the family that surrounds the car that has carried it on for the 55 years. It's a question I've always wanted to know. There are so many Mustangs out there. We hear about so many different versions. Okay, so how many Mustangs, how many different incarnation of Mustangs are there right now? Yeah, we haven't done like a complete combination chart, but if you think about it, you have your EcoBoost, your entry, you have your coupe convertible, you have manual and auto. Then you have various packages that you can order off of that. Then you can go up to the GT, where you have not only the GT, which is coupe and convertible, manual and automatic, but then you have two different performance pack levels. Then you have the Mustang Bullet. Then you have the GT350. And soon you'll have the GT500 in there as well, right along with the performance pack. So it's, it's one of the most diverse performance lineups we have ever had, including going back to the 60s. Like a lot of people think the heyday of the muscle car era was the 60s. And what I'd tell you is there's no better time to be a performance car enthusiast than today. Yeah, you cannot get a lot of the different, you couldn't get a lot of the different Mustangs then than you can now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, well, I mean, and we tried to go back and, you know, John Clore and myself, Tom Barnes, when we're sitting around, we were actually doing the uh, embargoed media review last week, and we were trying to come up with, okay, all right, in 69, what did we do? GT500, GT350, you had the Boss 302, 351, the Boss 429, you had the Mach 1 coming in in 70, right? So, I mean, it, that time was a huge lineup, but if you compare it to today, the performance derivatives are even better today. Ford Motor Company's Jim Owens. Don't forget, see your local Ford dealer for more information about the Mustang and which one is something really knocks you over. And now, Hot Rod Bob Beck joining me as we talk with original Hot Wheels designer Bob Rosas and Prime Motivation's Bill Montgomery from the Classic Auto Show. First, we get into a little Hot Wheels talk with Bob. I worked on Hot Wheels from 1969 to 1989. What was your favorite? But my favorite is uh, something I did in 19, more like 1976, the GMC Motorhome. Ah. And the story on that is, how are we going to do this great big motorhome and fit it in a three-inch plastic box? Right. So I had to take ten linear feet out of the middle of it, and uh, it's still recognizable. You can still see that it's a motorhome. Uh, but what I really wanted to talk about is something earlier that we did back in 69 uh, some of you may have gone to the store and bought a what they called a Volkswagen Beach Bomb oh yeah yes. that. that car came out with surfboards on the side and pockets I remember that but a lot of people don't know but there were about maybe 40 made without those side pockets. Oh. And they were pre-production, didn't work because they wouldn't go on the track and stay on the track. They would fall over. They were kind of uh, <laughs> top heavy or something and we put side pockets on. I knew someone like that. Mm. That so, was top heavy? Yes. I see. Yeah. So you, you add these side pockets and it balanced the car. Now it's mm. able to go through the loop the uh, famous orange loop mm -hmm. and uh, it was now a viable car we could use in production but that first 40 models that uh, you know we made we tried different colors were all pre-production 
and uh, one of them sold for a hundred and twenty thousand dollars a okay. pink version. How did that get out into the public? If it's a pre-production model, theoretically, it's to show people or something. How did that get out? They were in the hands of employees. We did some testing with employees and their kids. And, uh, of course, a lot of them didn't survive. You know, they just got buried somewhere. But The this, cars, not yes, the employees. Yes. They survived. Yes, they survived. No, I just want to clear that up right. in case anybody... The cars have been doing a lot better, though. Yes. yes. Some of those employees are at the ground, like the Hot Wheels. Yes. Okay. It was the old days. Now you're scaring me. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we did make about, I think about 20 of them survived. And one sold for about $120,000, a pink one. Ooh. I personally had three. But oh. I didn't know they were worth anything. You know, it's just, hey, I need a new roof on my house. I think I'll sell one of these. <laughs> when I found out they were worth money. I sold mine for about mine was an antifreeze color. That was a color that oh, much like there's a Camaro out here, kind of a well, antifreeze, you know, it's kind of green. a yellow, green, green yeah. yellow, greenish. Yes. Limeade. And I sold mine for about 75000 if I recall. And it paid for my roof. And a $75,000 yes. retirement fund. Yes. Wheel. yes. There are people out there who love their Hot Wheels, and especially prototypes. But uh, it was uh, it was a fun thing to work on, but it was also a job. Yeah. Because we did have testing, we did have uh, regulations. Like cars. Yes, we yeah. had uh, safety standards. We rolled the cars into a block of steel after going off a ramp about 50 feet. And if it survived, we could move on. Otherwise, uh, it was back to the drawing board. Add more weight here, add more weight there. But it, they looked great. They didn't take much room, and you could have hundreds and hundreds of cars. Your favorites, my favorites are the classics, of course, But and I encouraged that, and I came up with the idea for rubber tires. And that was ah. real riders, we called them. Wow, okay. And to this day, they are some of the well, some, some of us really old people still have their original Hot Wheels stuck with all their Matchbox cars that they had growing up as a kid. Yep. And and some of the ones, I'm we were talking about this before we went on, uh, the Mercury Cougar, I remember the blue one, uh, the Firebird, was it? I think it was a 67 Firebird convertible. That was called Light My Firebird or Classic Firebird. <laughs> That's Either right. One. That's okay. right. So, yeah, there was, a, there was a bunch of them, I remember. The <laughs> Mustang, the red, kind of like oh, candy apple. Fastback, yes. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. That was Mustang. Nice. That was kind of neat. There was the Cougar you're talking about. And if you get the version with a painted tooth between the grill, uh -huh. that's worth more money. The painted so tooth. That's the section in the middle of the car. Right. That between the grill. Oh, okay. oh I gotta go look at it now. Yeah, I gotta see which ones I've Where's got more? too now. I think my mom put it in a some sort of picture box or something like that. Oh yeah, you can have one of my cars. Take that one. And that, these are red lines. Would be like great if that. These was are it. red lines. That's the key thing. That's true. Up until okay. about 1976. Wow. That's what we did. And this transition period, there's a lot of special cars that had red lines that shouldn't have. Wasn't the Dodge Diora part oh, of the yeah, original? The, oh, that truck. was a '68. Yeah. Yes, okay. that was a Harry Bradley car. Yeah. And, uh, and didn't that have surfboards in the back, too? Yes, it did. Okay. Same okay. surfboards. Wow, Randy, you're pretty good at that. 
Um, scarily, still plays with toys. <laughs> scarily. I have like 10 times more Matchbox cars. But like, again, it, it was the new thing. That's it right. It came out, and these were cars you never really saw out. Today, Mattel owns Matchbox as well. And they I do. just wanted to say many of the designers today, back to the old days, I was one of myself and Larry Wood. And uh, today, there's maybe 25, but some of them played with my cars. Wow. Well, I, didn't, I didn't realize they had yeah. Matchbox, too, because Randy and I both grew up with Matchbox first. Right. Oh, yeah. And yeah, then right. uh, the Hot Wheels came out later, and the difference was the Matchbox were European. That's right. They were. and uh, But they eventually produced them in China. And, and may I say, Matchbox, now Hot Wheels is already in the, the uh, Toy Hall of Fame. Right. Uh, yes. But Matchbox is not. Is Mattel going to kind of get something going to get Matchbox in the Hall of Fame along with Hot Wheels? Come on, who's with me? Let's yeah. get Matchbox in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they got my vote. Petition going. Come make, on, make the Matchbox the higher line vehicles. They got my detail. vote, but it uh, won't do much good. I've been away from Mattel for a uh, lot of years, and I just did a convention for uh, Mexico. Uh, convention. There were 32,000 people there. Oh, wow. They love their Hot Wheels. It lasted three days. And it was like a fairgrounds, like this. Well, 32,000 people, Hot Wheel oriented, yeah, games wow. and cars and yeah. you name it. Yeah. I was treated like royalty. Wow. It was great. Very cool. Yes. All right. So you're talking about your prime motivation, and again, one of the things that is key to this is. A lot of high schools no longer do auto shop classes they, because of budget cuts. They've tossed out things like band and choir, yeah. which is an outrage. And same thing with auto shop. I mean, you know, it's where a lot of people really learn and get their excitement about certainly working on cars. And talk a little bit about that, too, where we are with that. Where are we, Bill? Well, you know, we're doing a, a lot um, at some of the schools. I'm actually a, a teacher in Long Beach. Uh, I went there um, because that has the most potential. Um, as you know, Long Beach is a car mecca, and there's only two high schools out of the 12 that have auto shops. In my school, Cabrillo High School, what's up guys? Um, we have a five bays. Uh, one of the bays is an inside uh, paint booth, and uh, we, we bought Bob there quite a few times, and even Larry Wood, his uh, partner, came by. And I'm just trying to bring some uh, industry you know, heavy hitters and some leaders uh, to come there and, and see what's going on. And, and talk to the, uh, you know, talk to the government, talk to the administration, and they'll let them know that they still should have the auto shops, but that that name auto seems to uh, not be the best. We're transitioning over to the word uh, transportation and technology. You know, the the word STEM is the is the word that they're they're using, but really they just kind of left out the A. So. Uh, trains, planes, automobiles, it's transportation and technology, so we're trying to change the image. And uh, people like you guys, uh, Bob and Randy, you can help with that. How True. much money do you have on you, Bob? Uh, How much money? No, not I you, Bob, that Bob. Yeah, that Me, Bob? Uh, I think we can get a cookie later. Okay, <laughs> good, good to hear. Yeah, well, you come, come see us at the booth. We're going to have a Hot Wheels track set up, and uh, Bob will be over there with his lovely wife, Carmen. She's also involved with Prime Motivation. I bought a couple more guests here. 
you know, we're bringing the heat. Um, right. We also, um, Hidden Pioneers is something that we, uh, uh, Bob Beck, you know, you're Hidden Pioneer. We're going to talk to Randy about uh, getting the key people, uh, the people that are hidden but not so hidden, uh, that should be on TV and should be on mainstream to help get the word out. So next guest I want to bring on, um, let me say the uh, Tanya, yeah, uh, English Classics. So Tanya, uh, she actually uh, does a lot um, for the youth, and um, she has a, a little one of her own that's, uh, I don't know where he's at right now, maybe sleeping, but uh, Tanya. <laughs> I thought you were talking about cars. <laughs> <laughs> she's, got, she's, got, she's got her husband over there. He's really good. But Tanya, tell, tell us what you're doing here today and um, why this day is so special for you. Hi, I'm Tanya Inglis, and I'm with Inglis Classics Auto Repair and Restoration. I'm also a hidden pioneer uh, with Prime Motivation. And uh, you can see our little tags here. We are out here trying to make some noise. We go with Bill and the rest of the hidden pioneers to the high schools, and we talk to the kids, we get them involved. Uh, one of my main interests is the fact that I like it when our youth, especially the girls, young women, want to get involved in the automotive industry. And I think it's really important for them to know that it's more than just mechanic work. It could be design. It could be engineering. Um, even down to pinstriping, interior, yep. upholstery. There's so much that comes when, with automotive. Um, also, we work with other people um, also in the industry. Uh, if, if, if automotive is not something for them, I mean, it could be motorsports. It could be maybe they want to be an astronaut. There's different forms of transportation. So we're trying to reach out to the youth, let them know that, you know, maybe not everybody's set up for college, but they can get uh, training. We can make connections with uh, companies and colleges to get them uh, the information that they need to get a, a successful career. Now, English Classics, we're involved, we're kind of the old school twist to all of this. Uh, my husband, Brian, and I, we repair and restore classic American cars. So pre-1980, anywhere from 1909 to 1980, from the ground up. And then I'm kind of the parts person, so if anyone's looking for any auto parts, um, American, original, hard to find, not reproduction, people give me a call. Whoa. And so I'm not necessarily a mechanic, but I'm savvy when it comes to classic automobiles and parts. And yeah, some men kind of stay, stare at me a little bit and, or they ask for Brian and I said, no, I can help you. And they're like, are you sure? There you go. Like, Throw it at me. What do you need? A Mustang two front suspension or, you know what? It, and they're like, what, you know what that is? You know? So yeah, anything like that. Um, my husband and I are a good team. And um, if you see him around, he's a tall rockabilly looking guy. He's really old school from texas yeah from texas Dang. yeah he's only been out here in southern california for two years now and uh he's just amazed at the car culture because we came in we visited twice i have family out here i'm from here but um he saw every 10 cars especially up in the desert we're in victorville every 10 cars was a classic car and he thought he was in heaven so he's like no we're we're, we're moving out here and we've been blessed. We've got a lot of business, um, and he loves to do what he does, so it's not a job. Good. And that's the biggest thing. Our youth, if you love to do something, especially in the automotive industry, Prime Motivation can help you, and it's not going to feel like a job, and you can make good money. Um, he restores classic cars, but he rebuilds carburetors and works with all the old-school carbureted motors and all of that, which is a dying skill. By the time they're our age, they'll be making good money. 
Oh, well, by the time they're my see? age, that, that that's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're not going to be working anymore. I mean, you know. I don't know, Bob. You're still kicking, man. Yeah. I, still see I am. I am. You know, I, just, I, I was just completely replumbed. My exhaust was redone. I'm fine. I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight after that visual. Yeah. But also, I also work with the... Um, I also work with the public relations and social media part of Prime Motivation and the Hidden Pioneers. So if you are on Facebook or Instagram, you can look up Hidden Pioneers or you can follow English Classics and that's I-N-G-L-I-S Classics, not English like Spanish, (laughs) I-N-G-L-I-S Classics. Um, You can see our website.com. We post a lot of things that we do at the high schools with Bill and Prime Motivation on Instagram, YouTube, or Facebook. So you can either go on Hidden Pioneers, Prime Motivation, or English Classics, and you can see all the things that we do with our youth and uh, how we get out there with the community. And we try to do videos, instructional videos, on some some of the things that we work on when we're building these cars from the ground up, Um, whether we're working on suspension, whether we're rebuilding a motor, the importance of taking things to a machine shop before you throw right. it all together and then you have a cracked block or me- you know something messed up someone told me i had one there's <laughs> a different block right? uh, yeah oh that's right yeah i keep forgetting yeah. yeah and um you can talk to bill about problem motivation or you can talk to brian or i about restoring or repairing a classic car all right great thank you very yeah. much all right and, nice meeting you and we just became friends on facebook as well just yeah. uh, this last week <laughs> so timing was everything <laughs> of course the only reason i friended you because you knew bill oh, well actually i almost thought second about that well that's you this you guys with your with your <laughs> shop and all that uh do you find that the kids i hate to sound like this but remember the kids nowadays back in the old do days do you find them more interested in the classic cars do you find them more interested in working on the newer cars or do you find them like wanting to get into those self-driving cars and never having to learn to drive? Actually, it's a mix because when I go to these high schools with him, we get, for some reason, there's a lot of other booths and he's got Mazdas and all kinds of newer cars, but they flock around us because they're interested in something they don't see all the time. And so I've had kids, we'll, we'll lay out some intake manifolds with carburetors on them, and they'll come up and be like, is that a spaceship? Or, you know, like, seriously. <laughs> yeah. And so it intrigues them because it's something they don't see. And when you tell them, especially in Southern California, the lowrider culture and all these car clubs and stuff, I tell them, you seen that Impala? Oh, yeah, that's really cool. You want to see what's under the hood? That's what you're looking at. Oh, that looks different than your new car. Yeah, I don't know. And when you talk about raw horsepower and you're talking about no computer chips and you can't plug in something just to tell you, you have to know and troubleshoot. And if you want to, you know, soup up your motor and that kind of stuff. So when you start talking like that, they gain more interest in that. And so they like speed, though, too. And I see a lot of drifters. And um, actually, this year at the Classic Auto Show, I was talking to a guy named uh, Mike. I can't remember... He's got a podcast too, and but he deals with Japanese classic cars. Mm-hmm. And so that's a whole other culture too that is kind of, they're trying to get out there to the youth and everything. But uh, I think it's really interesting that in a group of maybe 10, uh, three will say, well, I like foreign cars. And, you know, maybe another three will be like, no, I like the old school stuff, you know. And then the other ones are kind of like, I don't know. I like fast. You know, they don't really know much yeah, about they're cars, fun. but yeah. they're cool, you know. So, um, but at least we get it out there and we tell them, you know, if, if 
if you're not gonna if you don't feel like you're gonna be a doctor or a lawyer but you you're good with your hands or you like automotive or transportation or you like technology because we sometimes we work in collaboration also with nasa things like that that intrigues them and so it, it's exciting to to share something and pass on that knowledge like we said it's a dying skill so if we can pass it on to either one or two youths and they use it then we did something yeah well you bring up a very good point because the cars are going to be here one way or another and a lot of people are into the old cars but even the new car technologies they're going to be here for a while whether or not you're driving it or whether or not a computer is driving it and somebody's got to fix it and who's going to do it right right and that's the importance that they they realize that even these old classic cars they've been here they're still here so yep. when you're rolling up with your 30s or 20s they're still here so who's going to fix them and little by little like my husband brian inglis he he learned from an older generation everyone that he learned from was in their 60s but when he was learning you know in his teenage years and that's the that's the way you want to do it because they were they were able to pass it on you know before they left this earth they were able to pass on knowledge to him and he gets excited because we have a son he's three he just can't wait for him to grow up and help him in the garage so what you you're know? saying he's reading him uh, general motors <laughs> yeah. manuals yeah. to bed at night and oh, he's sleeping oh yeah bedtime stories are hot rod magazine he just yeah <laughs> Pick out your parts here, kid. Yeah. Steve for carburetor. You yeah. Know, that's just like, yeah. So he's already prepping him. And, he, you know, he bought him one of these. Um, actually, on Summit Racing, they had fake motor, like a toy motor you can yeah. put together. And so he already has one of those. And, yeah. And he's three. And he's three. Right. Yeah. So he's never too young to start. Nope. His stroller is going to do nine-second eighth miles <laughs> yeah. in and no time. Racing yeah. stickers there all over it. <laughs> All right, we got Kent Lodge standing out in front of us right now Hi. from the, the Television and Motion Picture Car Club that uh, Randy and I are both members of. That's right. And uh, he's out here. He's cruising around looking at some of the great cars out here. Yes, he is. And uh, we're here with Bill, and we're having fun. No, no, no. Come on. There's nervous to be nothing about, honest. We're, we're not, we don't bite. Come on. Well... Well, not hard. I don't bite. Bob nibbles a little. I did have my shots, though. That's true. He has. Come on. We're very friendly here. All right. Come on back here. Let's swap right. seats here. Well, thank you. Nice to meet you. Well, I noticed she's got a Mopar shirt on, so that well, is a like good sign. Because like Randy and I are both Mopar guys. Oh, okay. Are you? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Move over. What? Mopar Plymouths are racing. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I work with uh, Fiat Chrysler Automobiles. I am a okay. Mopar Cap Relationship Manager. Oh. So what I do is I have um, our Mopar Cap schools. We have over 99 across the country. Okay. I try and get college students interested in automotive right. coming to our manufacturer. And then what I do is afterwards get them placed at our over 2,600 dealerships we have across the country. Well, and that's great. Wow. Yes. So that I'm here with Bill today because... Um, I'm now kind of extending the program, but FCA, mm -hmm. we're trying to get more high schools involved. Right. Yes. We want them from the womb, right? We want people yeah. excited about <laughs> automotive. So we're trying to get them from high school and then Good. into our Mopar CAP program in our colleges. Well, then that's great. Uh, and just as a side note, I was involved in some of that mm -hmm. with one of your competitors. Ooh. <laughs> it was only two letters. Okay. Hupmobile. Yeah, Hupmobile. Yeah, two letters. Hupmobile. No, I don't think that's quite right, Randy. No. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah, I was I'll work on that. Generous Motors. Yeah, but she doesn't. I mean, she, she yeah, that's the one. Yeah. So this beautiful racing shirt that you see that I'm wearing, yes. when our students graduate from our uh -huh. college's cap schools, 
they actually get one of these so that they wow. get to wear at their dealership. You'll give That's, them that very shirt. This shirt. It's kind of like the shirt Jack Beckman in Funny Car wears. Mm -hmm. It's a team shirt. Those are those are cool. It's a beautiful shirt. So you'll and model what, it right behind. <laughs> oh, look at that. Look at that. There we go. There. Get the hair out of the way. There we go. Can we see it? That. No, you're doing fine. You're doing fine. That's there fine. Yep. She's showing her Mopar. Showing her Mopar. All right. Guess what, guys? I'm, I'm, a, what? I'm a transportation teacher, and she came to my school. Um, she bought me one today, so I'm very excited. A school? Mm -hmm. wow. No, not quite a school. But He's going to be, <laughs> all of our cap instructors, besides our students, get one of the shirts, too. So That's Bill great. So going to be actually teaching our Mopar cap program at the high school level. He gets to wear the shirt to kind of motivate the students that when they graduate, they'll get a shirt too. Wow. Right, and that's an excellent thing because if you look at the salaries now that a technician makes at a dealership, and they're not mechanics, they're not grease monkeys, they're technicians. They make a very good living now, and you look at it, the, the training time is significantly less than a four-year college degree or such, and you come right out of the box and they're hurting for people to work. Mm -hmm. The average age, what many people don't realize, is the average age of an automotive technician in the United States is about 52 years old. And so you have a lot of um, technicians retiring. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're all hurting as a, as a manufacturer. We're going to need more and more just to work on these cars. And right now, I mean, the cars, are, I always jokingly call them Google's on wheels. Because, yeah. I mean, we have uh, a partnership where um, we have 60,000 Pacificas that Google um, bought recently for their self-driving program. And even though these cars are going to be self-driving, we're going to still need technicians to work on them. Right. Yeah, and, it's, it's still yeah. a basic automobile. Well, in that case, then, a lot of people think, well, I need an electronics degree as opposed to a, you know, mechanics degree. Is that, it, we laugh about that, but how legitimate is that statement? Well, it's true. I mean, you, well, not true, but, I mean, you need a lot of electrical skills. Um, we do, I mean, I think everybody right now realizes that that's why you're not a dirty mechanic anymore. You're a technician because... Again, all these cars have so many sensors and computer parts that you really do need to know, have electrical skills. And everyone in, in the industry is moving that way because, you know, those are the cars. And, and, and let me answer that, okay? It's, it's kind of simple if you study it. Basically, Ohm's Law, Watt's Law. Ohm's Law, direct relationship between amps, volts, and ohms, okay? And if you break down to Watt's Law, it's the direct relationship between amps, volts, and watts. So if you have that basic formula, and a little bit of electrical, you're fine. And that's what we try to teach the high school students because uh, some of them are, are getting taught that in some of the math schools, but we do that in the transportation technology classes. So that's what makes us very valuable. And we want to tell that to the administration, the government, and people like that to know that we can do that in the shops, but we're changing the shop's word to labs. What happens if you have a kid in a high school, uh, they don't have a program anymore in auto shop, and maybe they're not bringing out your program and your program? What Say you're a high school kid and you're watching this now and you're thinking, you know, I really want to get involved in auto shop somehow and learn the Mopar situation. Who do they talk to? How do they get going? Well, they can actually go to our MoparCap.com website. Um, where they can actually find one of our Mopar Cap um, schools in their area. And like I said, we have 99 across the country. So I also have a school in Hawaii and Alaska. So if uh, students want to go to school in Hawaii or even work on one of my dealerships out there, they can. Oh, wow. So um, they can go to that site and um, it'll pretty much tell them where they can go. And also, too, they can also go to a local um, Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram dealership and they can um, talk to a service manager and maybe they're going to start as a porter. And then um, they can do um, training at the dealership too. 
by porter, you mean basically driving cars around Washington, that kind of stuff. Correct. And make sure, though, too, and this is what I tell all students, I always call it the triple three, drinking, driving, drug record. Um, dealerships, if they can't, in, if they can't, uh, if they they can't have you working at a dealership, if you have a record. So if they can't insure you, you you're not going to be able to drive a Hellcat around the parking lot. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So so, so, let, so my, my answer to that is first of all, um, high school students. Okay, if you don't have a program, they have all these car shows out there. You know, like this one. Okay, we're we're trying to get more kids to get involved with the, with the shows. Okay, you meet someone. Like Randy and Bob, you know, you see what's going on. Obviously, you go online. There, there's all these shows. In fact, this particular uh, event is all about all these shows. Ken Dig, all these great, all these shows. Okay, that, that's how you can learn. And of course, you have the community colleges. Uh, the community colleges have great auto shop programs. Uh, you can get four-year degrees. Um, and in fact, you know, Kelly is is, is into when Cerritos is a cap uh, program, and we're trying to get more. So. There's a lot of opportunities for kids, even in high school, to learn, uh, to get into cars, and um, we'll take them. There's a lot of jobs. Uh, you're a technician now, not an auto mechanic, and um, it's right for it, right now, right here. Every dealership is short one or two techs right now. All right, sounds good. Thank you very much for coming up. And, uh, you know, the opportunities are never ending mm -hmm. in the automotive industry right now. It is not just a greasy job. There's a lot of electrical things that need to be checked. There's a lot of electronics that goes into a vehicle. There's miles of wire in there. Well, I don't know about it being greasy. I see a no. lot of mechanics wearing gloves. Yeah. Yes, and you They've make lots smart. of money, too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Not that dealership. James money, but yeah. really decent money. Yeah, a dealer's charging $125 an hour. The technician's not getting that much, but they're getting far more than minimum wage. Mm -hmm. with, and that's just starting. Well, my name is Bill Montgomery. You can catch me at uh, the shop in uh, Long Beach at Cabrillo High School. And we've been here talking about cars with Randy and Bob Beck. So I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Bill. Bill Montgomery from Prime Motivation. If you have any questions, you want to get a hold of Bill to help his cause, and it's a pretty good one, actually. Uh, go to primemotivation.com, and uh, you'll be able to get a hold of him. Also, thanks to uh, Chrysler's Kelly Faley for uh, her input. Also, Tanya Ingalls of Ingalls Custom Cars. And also, uh, Bob Rosas, who's talked with us about Hot Wheels. Just a reminder, don't forget to subscribe to all our new podcasts here on Radio.com, KNX1070.com, or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to us, rate us, five stars would be great, thank you, and please write a review. If you want to sponsor an episode or seven of Talking About Cars, don't forget, you could reach us at TalkingAboutCars at gmail.com. Our website is TalkingAboutCars.net, where I include some extra behind-the-scenes flavor to the interviews. And don't forget to make sure you follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, that would be great. And while you're at it, you could follow Bob, not only on Instagram, but Twitter and Facebook, Bob Beck. And you can join Bob and I on his show, Got Gas. That's G-A-A-S, the second Tuesday of the month. That's when we do a live show. Okay, now that I've burdened you with all those things you probably won't remember, uh, just, just re-listen to the show in case you didn't take notes. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars.